I feel like we come into church sometimes and we think that there are these kiddie Bible stories and there are these adult Bible stories. One of the mistakes that we can make is thinking that we know every part of a story. or We've heard it every way you could hear it. Today I want to speak on a familiar passage. It comes out of the book of John. I'm going to read what it says in the book of John chapter 6. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of Galilee, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs that he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside, and he sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and he saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for all of these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in his mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, and he said, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have even a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up, and he said, Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go to feed so many people? And Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. There were about 5,000 men there. Jesus took the loaves, he gave thanks, and distributed those to to them who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all gotten to eat, When they all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them up, and there were 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves that were left over by those who had eaten. This is something that's written about in all four of the first books of the New Testament, the Gospels. This is something that was very important, so everybody would give details on this. Luke said that Jesus was going because he wanted to be alone. Have any of you ever just needed a moment to yourself? Like your parents or just like, yeah, guys, I just need a moment. Yeah, yeah, I feel that. I feel that. But wherever Jesus went, people followed him. Wherever he went. The older I get, the more I figure something out that if Jesus isn't there, I don't really want to be there. So they saw what he did and they heard what he did. What are some of the things that Jesus did? Hmm. Anyone have any ideas? Anyone wearing bright green shirts sitting in front of me here? Just say it. Just say it. She says that Jesus died for us, that he's the light of God. Well... This. So question, does Jesus love us? Does Jesus care for us? Does Jesus just rain down blessings on us? This is good stuff. They wanted to be near him all the time because the more they went with him, the more that they saw how good he was and the more things that he did. In Matthew, it says that Jesus sees all these people and he had compassion. And the best way to explain compassion, I think, have you ever seen a puppy? I mean, E.B., think about when those bulldogs were babies. Did you just want to pick them up? Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's how I am with bulldog puppies, but my wife's not the same way. 
compassion. He just, he saw them and his heart went out. It just melted when he saw them. All the time they wanted to be with him. He healed so many people. He taught so many people. Here's a question for you. Have you ever rushed out of the house in the morning and forgotten something? Have your parents ever done that? And in the car, they're like all mad and their face is red. Yeah, yeah, that'll happen. Well, these people in this Bible account, do you know what they forgot? They forgot food. No cheese sticks, no applesauce, no goldfish, no Capri Sun. They forgot their food. And what's wild about this, this story, it takes place during the time of the Passover. During the time of the Passover, this is a time when God's people would look back and they would think, they would remember all of the things that God had delivered them from. Things like this. Give me this slide. Like when God parts the sea so his people can walk across on dry land. When God provided for them. When God, their deliverer, saw them. When he heard their cries. When they came out of this place. And what's wild about Passover is one of the big things about Passover, there's a special meal that you would eat to help celebrate Passover. But how sad in this place, here are these people, and they have no food. No food at all. And so this multitude is coming toward Jesus. Jesus is on top of the mountain. They're coming toward Jesus. And Philip is standing there, and Jesus asks him that question, where shall we buy enough bread to feed all these people? What's your favorite restaurant? Just say it. Yeah, that wasn't there. That wasn't there, and that wasn't there. So in this story, there was none of that. No Lord's chicken, none of that. And so none of them had anything that they... So here's what happens. Philip, if you had a favorite subject in school, how many like math? It's okay to admit it. Philip is doing the math here. And Philip says it would take over six months of working just to buy enough bread to give each of these people just a wee bit, just a crouton pretty much. It would take that much. This isn't good. Philip's getting worried. Philip's looking around. Have you ever been hungry? Have you ever been hangry? You have a multitude, and if the multitude gets hangry, Philip is thinking, this is not good. But Jesus asked him for a reason. It was a test. Here's something that I say to them, but I say to every single person sitting here. Whenever Jesus asks a question, he already knows the answer. In fact, when there is any question in your life, Jesus already knows the answer. I say that because there are things in your head that are swirling around right now where you have thought, I don't know what to do. I have no clue what to do right now. This situation, it's not a situation to Jesus. He knows what to do. And I say that again because the simplicity of this gospel, it works whether you are, how old are you? Seven or 27, like many of us here. Jesus knows what he's going to do. Jesus knows in this moment what he's going to do, and this is a get-ready moment. So I need you to ask me, and what happens next? So say that, what happens next? No, together, together, come on, come on, together. Yes, that. Benjamin, I need you. I need an assistant. Here's what happens next. Come on up here, sir. 
put that on. I gotcha. All right, come over here by me. It says in the crowd there was a young man or a lad. Are you a lad? All right, I got a lad. And it says that this lad had five loaves and two fish. Five loaves and two fish. Now, when we think about this and you think about the way that God works, you think that he's going to work in a way that the fish would look something like this. Right? Right? Like, those are good fish. But that's not what the Bible says at all. You know what the Bible says? That the fish are more like this. And it said that he had five loaves. And what's wild, when you read studies, here's a loaf. This loaf has been sat on, I believe. (laughs) But when you study this, it is believed that this young boy was there that day to potentially sell what he had brought. That he could have come from a family that didn't have much money. Why is that? Why? It is because the amount of food that he brought was more than someone would eat for a lunch. The second part, it said that he had five small barley cakes. During that time, I mean, I could just ask you, how many of you like barley, right? No one liked barley. They fed it to animals back then. And so here you had this young man bringing these things. He has a plan of what he's going to do. So let's take your stuff. Let's set it up here. Want to help me out? I'm going to take these squashed loaves out of your pack. That's okay. And I'm going to sit them here. Four. Are there five in here, I hope? Hmm. Yeah, it looks like there are. Thank you, Benjamin. You can go have a seat, my brother. That's all right. That's all right. The young boy had a plan, but Jesus had a plan. And I think this is what's important to note right here. We go into so many things in life, and you have your plan. You have your plan. But what's the God plan? What is the God plan? Because the God plan is the best plan. It says in God's word that Andrew, when they figure out what they have, they figure out that they have this food. That Andrew turns around, he's like, but what is this among so many people? When you do the Bible math, it's 5,000 men, but they didn't count the women and children that were there that day. So there are thousands and thousands of people. They're looking out at it. Andrew's kind of freaking out, right? But Jesus does something. Do you know what Jesus says while Andrew's freaking out? He says to the disciples, go have the people sit down. It was a grassy place where they were. And do you know what I think of automatically when I hear this? I think of Psalm 23. I think of the good shepherd, this good shepherd that makes me lie down in green pastures. I think of the fact that when everything's falling apart and you don't know what to do, Jesus in that moment says, rest, sit down, I've got this. Sit down, have a rest. This is nothing for you to worry about because even on your best day, you can't do a whole lot with this right here. Here's a question. Can Jesus do it? Can Jesus do it? No, did you notice when I said, can Jesus do it, that I didn't specify, but did you notice how quickly they said yes? Maybe this is why it says we need to be like little children. 
It's like we get asked the question and we came up with 15 scenarios where it may not work and we may need a plan G or D. No, no, no. Plan K. No. We need to say yes. We need to in the moment when we know God can do anything that we stand in that. So right here, Jesus, he picks up what little there is. And it says he holds it up and he gives thanks. This hits me. Do you know why it hits me? Because I was the kind of kid that I thought I was thankful until Saturday morning cartoons came on and there'd be some commercial for the brand new Star Wars toy and I was like, yes, I need that. I don't have enough. I only have 50 Star Wars men. I need 51. And some of them are still in my office because I'm a 50-year-old child. <laughs> but he gives thanks. I say that because we are in a position where so many of us, our math, tends to be subtraction looking at what we don't have. God math works differently every single time. God math multiplies. Some of you may have a little. Some of you may have a lot. But my question is, are you thankful? Are you thankful? And not like November, like, my day six of thankfulness. You know when people do that? Like, no, like all year be thankful for things. Are we thankful? When Jesus takes those little loaves in his hands, do you know what he sees? Potential. When Jesus takes you in his hands, do you know what he sees? Potential. Are we willing to rest in his hands? Are we willing to be those people? And then it says that Jesus, in one of the accounts, he takes the bread he breaks it, meaning he tears it in half. He passes it to the disciples, and the disciples pass it out to the crowd. I often wondered, like, when did the miracle take place? You know, we read that, talked about it before. It's not like there was a mountain of fish that covered Jesus at that point. He would break it. He would pass it. They would pass it the people were fed. And what's wild about this, the Bible says they had as much as they wanted. So he wasn't like, here you go. Looks great. No, it was take more. How much do you want? Take more, take more. And I need to understand this, that whenever I place anything in Jesus' hands, he does something great with it. I think of that in terms of this. You know, when kids typically, when it comes to singing and being on a stage, this can scare you. Some of these kids, the first time they got up here, they were like, what is going on? And this morning they lead us in worship because they placed it in Jesus' hands. You may say, I only have a little bit of singing talent, but place it in Jesus' hands. You may say, I only have a little bit of drawing talent. What happens when you place that in Jesus' hands? Well, I only may know a couple Bible stories. What happens when you place that in Jesus' hands and you start telling everybody about those Bible stories? You place what you have in Jesus' hands and he does big things. It's God math. It doesn't make sense to us, but it's God math. 
So just a minute ago in our story, here is a little boy and he owned this stuff. But what I love about this is once he gave what he had to Jesus, it didn't belong to him anymore. Again, I say that to all of us because there's things that we hold on to, but have we really given it to Jesus? Something that I do with my kids, especially Ella when we're in the car, is I'll go to hand her something. When she goes, take it, I'll pull it away because I'm wrong. And I feel like there's times that I do that with Jesus too. Jesus, I need you to take this. Jesus, I want you to take it. And then I hold it out and then Jesus goes, take it. And I'm like, no. And that's just as wrong, if not more, because it's Jesus. But the idea that we often hold on. I often wondered when I was little, when did the miracle take place? Do you know when it took place? When things broke. I say that to every one of us here. Often the miracle happens when you feel like you're breaking. Often the miracle happens when you feel like you're broken. That's when God steps in. That's when Jesus steps in. That's when it's there. Sometimes it feels like something's broken, but maybe it's just in Jesus' hands. And once it's in his hands, it's never the same again. And what I love about this story, it said all the people had as much as they wanted. That includes a little boy. I see that to us too, because there's times that if we hold on to it, we have what we have. But when we put it in God's hands, we're putting it in a place where we get more than we could ever expect. More than you could ever desire. More than you would know what to do with. Same God when we sing that, the same God now. I'm not Jesus. You're not Jesus. You're not Jesus. You're not Jesus. But you know what we can do? We can obey Jesus. When I was young, I used to think when I grow up, it's going to be a lot easier to do all these obedience things. But I'll tell you what, it gets easier the more I do it. It gets easier the more that I lean into him. The disciples, they didn't know what to think. They weren't Jesus, but in the end, they had the job of collecting those leftovers. And you know how I love how the Bible says they filled up 12 baskets of leftovers with what was left with the five loaves. Like that math does not even work out, does it? But that's how he is. Can you imagine how amazing that would be? No one knew that that little boy had that lunch. 5,000 people out there, nobody knew. They didn't call him up and say, we have a young man with the lunch, and they hold him up. No, they didn't you know that it probably happened behind the scenes. And so many things are going to happen behind the scenes, but Jesus is faithful and we're going to give him what we have and he's going to turn it around. So for everyone here, God's working in ways that we don't even understand. God's working in ways that you don't even see right now. God is working in ways of things that you have turned over to him, say weeks ago, months ago, and you're thinking, well, but the God math is happening. The God math is being calculated. The blessings that you thought you would never see, the God math is adding up in a way that's gonna blow your mind. Just like with this crew, do we believe it? Can Jesus do it? Yes, he can. I want to close on this thought. 
You know, so often, again, we can look at God's word. We can say, oh, I've heard all that before. But one of the most beautiful things is when you open God's word, you say, show me something new. And he'll do it every single time. I'm so proud of the church that we have. I'm so proud of the fact that I know God's favor rests here. And I'm going to tell you that one of the reasons that I feel like the church is blessed is because the church sees one another as God's family. No doubt. No doubt. We're going to pray. And after we do, if you see one of these young reverends out in the hallway today, congratulate them. Say, good job. You've got this. Keep doing what you're doing. The worship team's going to play out after we pray. If you'll please stand. As we pray, here's what I would ask. Speak blessing over our kids. Speak blessing over each one of them. This is a tough world out there. But the God we serve is good. Let's pray blessing over them right now. Father, I thank you for each one that stands here. I thank you, God, for the encouragement that they bring. I thank you, God, for the way that they minister to you, an audience of one. And Father, I pray your rich blessing would rain down upon them, that each one of them, Lord, would understand that in time, purpose will become clearer. I pray, God, that for each one of us that stands in this house, that we would be a wall around them to protect them spiritually, to raise them up, to train them up. And Lord, I pray your favor, your hope and future over them. In Jesus' name I speak to you. Amen.